Good morning, everyone. So my name is Genevieve, and I'll be giving the Bible reading this morning. Today's passage comes from Psalm 5, if you'd like to follow along on the screen or in your Bibles. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful you, Lord, detest. But I, by your great love, can come into your house. In reverence, I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they tell lies. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them from their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favour as with a shield. Good morning, friends. My name is Michael, and if you haven't guessed my quirky accent, I'm Canadian. I'll do my best to speak in Australian for you all this morning. Uh, over the next couple of weeks over school holidays, we'll be looking at the Psalms and what we can learn from seeing an array of different emotions that we all feel as humans and how that fits in with our church life and what God is doing. And he has some really amazing things to say in the book of the Psalms. Uh, I remember back in 2013 when Frozen, the Disney blockbuster, was in theaters, uh, I decided as with uh, you know, a couple million other people that I'd go watch it. So my brother and I bought a ticket in our, you know, I was 25 at the time, I think, saw this movie. And I'm going to, spoiler alert, now if you haven't seen Frozen, then I'm actually really impressed because it's been around for so long, so iconic. At the very end of the movie, the climactic point, uh, Anna gets Frozen solid. And remember when we watched this in the theater, you could hear a pin drop in the auditorium. Uh, everyone's just so engaged and so connected to the story. And props to Disney for telling a really good story. A young girl must have been four or five there seeing the movie with her dad completely and utterly lost her mind and just started crying that Anna had been frozen. Now, the dad is in an unexpected situation. He doesn't know what to do. Do I take my daughter, who is screaming and causing noise, out of the theater, or with the rest of you know, the few hundred people watching it, it's Disney, just wait 25 seconds. Uh, <laughs> now, he opted to take her out and uh, didn't really know what to do with her emotions, helping her process his own. And similar to King David in the Bible, he had a big outburst of emotion. He didn't really know what to do with it, as we see in Psalm 5. Um, now, we don't get the context of what's happening. David doesn't actually tell us. What we do know is David is going through something horrible. Uh, he's going through something completely awful and devastating, crying out in agony for God to intervene. 
there's a couple ideas of what this may have been. It may have been when King Saul was hunting David before he became king. The civil war that caused, it may have been uh, when David was king and his son Absalom led a revolution. It may have been when the Philistines repeatedly invaded. We're not sure. But what we are certain of is that when David is going through something dreadful, something painful and agonizing, he cries out to God. Well, it's really wonderful to see that David knows God will listen. Let's just look at some of the words he's using there. Listen, consider, hear my prayer, hear my cry. I wait expectantly. I lay this down before you. It's really strong language to suggest that David is convinced that God will listen to what he has to say. And it's one of the most innate pieces of ourselves to be understood and listened to. Uh, I have a young daughter. She's five months old. Sometimes she cries. The only way she knows how to currently express herself is crying. And when she cries, we go to her, we comfort her, we listen to her. And even in her small five months of life so far, she understands that. It's really wonderful to know that God listens. Uh, We see in verse 1 to 3, as David's crying out, that he knows that he can find comfort in God's ability to listen. He continues on, looking to God's holiness then. Now, holiness may be one of those words you hear around church that feels so far distant. Uh, God is holy. And why is that a comfort to us? Holiness means to be set apart. God is not like us in some sense. There's an aspect of this holiness of God that God is able to do something about evil. He's able to respond to suffering. He's able to define what is good and what is wrong, what is good and right and the opposite of. But because God is holy, it also makes him unapproachable. God is unapproachable in his holiness If you think of the solar system, the sun is at the center of the whole solar system and all of the planets orbit around the sun because that is simply the right way it is. That's the way fundamental laws of physics and the universe work. They orbit the biggest thing around them. We won't wake up one day and find that all of the planets are suddenly orbiting around Jupiter or the Earth. That's not going to happen based on what we know of the sun. But also the sun is dangerous. Even from so far away on earth, we can't even look directly at the sun without risking damage to our eyes because the sun is so powerful. And if we send a satellite up to the sun, it can only get so close before it would be consumed entirely. And God is holy. There's a process of how God allows us to approach him, not for his own benefit because he's petty or arrogant, simply he is the biggest and the brightest, and that's a product of his character. And so he sets a process for our benefit, how we can draw near to him. We see in the book of Exodus, it's on the screen there. There we go. It's on the screen there. Uh, the Israelites have left Egypt and are now at the base of Mount Sinai, and God is going to speak to them. 
So you can read about it in Exodus 20. They've been preparing for seven days to meet God. And we read here, just before they come to the mountain, when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to you to test you so that the fear of God will keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. God hasn't even said anything yet. And they're already terrified of him preparing to talk. And yet David finds comfort in God's holiness. His response to crying out in faith and knowing God's listen is to declare that God is holy. It may seem like an odd thing to be comforted by, but it's the sense that God knows uh, and is deep in wisdom and in his unapproachable state. He is God of the universe. It's quite incredible then that David responds to holiness down in verse 7. I don't know if you saw it here, but uh, David responds in faith. He says that I will enter into your house, O God. Now, David is not allowed to enter into God's house at this point because God is holy. David is not a priest. He's not even the high priest. In fact, only one person a year could go into the inner sanctuary of God's holy place. And even then, they tied a bell around their waist and a rope that if they died in God's presence, they could remove them. So David is crying out in faith that he can enter into God's home in verse 7. And this kind of faith is absolutely incredible. That God is unapproachable and holy. Yet because of his love for us and his ability to listen and his character of who he is, David cries out in faith. He can draw near into God's house. Uh, to illustrate the example of the process of this holiness, we have these people. This is U2, um, rock band from, you know, most people know them. And back in 2011, my sister and her now husband got tickets to go to a U2 concert. But more than that, they got tickets to go to a U2 concert as well as all these extra VIP perks to eventually they got to meet Edge, who is the one in the beanie, guitarist on the left there. They got to meet him. And when they went to this concert, they went to the security guards at each area, at each checkpoint, showing them their armband and their pass to get further and further and further access. There were less and less and less people at each point they traveled to. And every time they'd go up to the security guard to go to the next area, he'd look at their little passes and they'd go, how did you get all of these? They had about six or seven eventually, leading ultimately to meeting one of the musicians in the band, just them, just the three of them. Now, more than my sister and her now husband meeting a famous musician, we see that David sets up a process for God's holiness of how we might access into it, but also how that process is so important in God's holiness. And that brings up an aspect of the holiness of God that sometimes we, makes us a bit uncomfortable. 
We can't really talk about holiness without talking about justice. God is just. God is just and will comfort us with his justice. We saw after David appealing in verse 7 and 8 to approach in faith in verse 9 and 10, he's asking God to do these things to these other people. Saying that these people who have done wrong are getting away with it and God needs to bring justice. Justice is a part of holiness. And there is a comfort to know that God is just and he will right all of the wrongs before us. All the wrongs that we have before us. Justice will be upheld in the right time and in the right way. God will meter out what has been done to the world. And David sits in this justice, an appeal of God's character, knowing that God is listening to him, knowing that in his holiness, God will bring justice to the world at the right time. Sometimes it can be difficult to grasp with this language of justice in the Old Testament because it feels so intense or strong-worded. But the idea is that nothing escapes God's notice and that the wrongdoings that we have been received and have even done to others, we give an account for. And coming from the mouth of David, who is uh, a general king, and most of his life has been marked with bloodshed, he knows that God is just and will correct the things that he cannot. But he also doesn't try and take control of the situation. He doesn't try and bring justice on his own merit. Instead, setting himself on God's kindness and justice, appealing to the king in his holiness to correct what has been wrong to him. After we read the, of the justice of God, we then find refuge in God as he brings gladness. And David finds comfort in God's love. He asks us that, you know, those who love your name will be a protection over them. In verse 11 and 12. David prays God's protection because God is loving. And loving the name of the Lord brings us security. And in David's anguish and his angry, his angry situation of what is happening, the urgency comes full circle then that there is security and protection, a safe haven in God's love. So then this asks the question, how do we find these comforts in God? These things may not seem very related. God's holiness and justice have a bit of a crossover, but responding in faith, knowing God listens, seeing his love in our lives. David is finding comfort in what God is, in the character of who God is. David finds comfort in knowing God and knowing about God and his character as revealed. And David's knowledge was also incomplete, though. 2,000 years later, in Jesus coming into the world, Jesus talks a lot about knowing God's character. 
and knowing God, who he is. And we see the hope that offers and how knowing God is a comfort to us. We see in the book of Matthew, Jesus speaking here, Matthew 11. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus knows God and knows how to teach us of his comforting character. Um, Whatever we feel and need in any moment, Jesus shows us how God fills that need. If life is overwhelming, then Jesus is calm. If life is full of sorrow and grief, then Jesus offers us comfort. If life is, has moments of cruelty and anger and anguish, Jesus offers us kindness. And in moments where the world may seem uncaring of our situation, Jesus offers us compassion. Jesus knows who God is, and he tells us that we can know God as well. And like David cried out in faith before, I will enter into your house. Even though David knew God was unapproachable in his holiness, Jesus has offered us a way into that holy place so that we need not fear God and be perished by him, but instead be invited into his holy place because of his love. I remember in 2008, I joined my church in Canada on a a short-term mission trip in Brazil, and I was in South America for a month or so. I was in the city of Sao Paulo, which at the time had about 29 million people. And I remember we were in one of the lowest income areas in the world, in one of the largest slums, or favelas in South America. And I was standing on the roof of the building, looking out over the vast city and just feeling the weight and the hopelessness of the situation. And I remember just feeling so small. And the absolute dire situation millions of people were in, in poverty, and not knowing Christ. And I just cried and wept and told one of my friends who was with me on the trip, it's just so big. And he nodded and quietly said, yes, it is, but God is bigger. In that moment, he was Christ to me, showing me and reminding me of God's comfort in an otherwise bleak situation. And so what does this mean for our church? That God's character is our comfort in whichever situation we might find ourselves in. We can cry out to him knowing that he listens to us. We can sit beneath his holiness and let the magnitude fill us with awe and wonder. We can respond in faith as we trust he is able to bring justice and right the wrongs in life and that he protects us with his love. 
So what I'd ask us to do is, let's just sit with these ideas and keep them current in our lives, these character aspects of God. Set our minds on these, meditate and consider. And if you don't know much about his holiness, just think about it. God is holy. God is like the sun, but even more so. God is unapproachable, yet Jesus has invited us in. Just sit with the concept. Sit with the concept of justice. Sit with the concept of love. Sit with the concept that God listens to us. Longing to hear what you have to say. And after you've let it move around your mind for a little while this week, pray about it. Pray like David in, in faith and pray with each other. Um, sometimes, to my shame, I'm included in this when Christians say, oh, I'll pray for you when they say goodbye. I, it can almost be as reflexive as just saying, see you later. Uh, and I'm, I'm ashamed to admit, sometimes in my life when I said, yes, I'll pray for you, I haven't done so. I just encourage you, instead of saying, I will pray for you, take a moment and say, let's pray now. Just in a few moments together, let's just pray together about this. Uh, it doesn't have to be long or lofty. It, it can be short and simple and praying about the concepts that we're learning, praying about these different characters about God. And that leads us to talking about it, talking about these character aspects with each other, reflecting on what it means that God is holy or just and discussing it with each other to encourage one another. Just thinking, oh yes, I was thinking about God's holiness and it was just like, it's just wonderful to sit under there and share these little pearls of wisdom and encouragement you find through prayer and meditation and see what comes of it. Um, talk about what we're learning about our Bible readings throughout the week or in our Bible connect groups throughout the week. Um, we're a community together and we don't need to do this alone. We can use and draw on the community around us as Jesus teaches us more and more about God's character. It's really wonderful to know that God listens to what we have to say, especially with the world of mask wearing and border restrictions and not seeing our loved ones. We don't even need to know the situation that's going on, but God is there and he does listen in his holiness. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day that you've given. Thank you for the sun and the rain and the clouds and the wind and that you are holy in all of creation. We pray that your word and the advance of the gospel would continue in Paraka through the work of our church and we would take comfort in knowing more and more about who you are. We pray that you would have us fix our eyes on Jesus that we might learn and know of your character more and more and that it would be a comfort to us. In his wonderful, glorious name, we do pray this. Amen.